and then walk. I don't want to be sued, but walk. I don't know what you would. It's like it's like the difference between. Um, I don't, I'm not going to even say it. I don't have a good analogy. It's just horrible. Okay, so anyway, I guess it's all drugs at the end of the day. <laughs> today's, <laughs> today's sermon is called Peace 5, and it's um, subtitled, shh, so go to your neighbor and go, shh. I know you feel absolutely ridiculous doing that, but do that again, shh. Yeah, shh. yeah. So <clears throat> the message is on wisdom, really, and wisdom is something that is very hard to define, defined past tense, and define present tense, and future defining of it is kind of hard too. So it's hard to define what wisdom actually is, and actually when you talk about wisdom, it's not, it's not really an exciting moment. Like you start talking about wisdom, and you know, we're going to talk about wisdom. It's not going to be as, you know, exciting or whatever, but wisdom is very difficult to define. It's very hard to give a definition to. However, we know it when we see it. And we know it when we hear it. If there is a person in your life that has wisdom, you know when they walk into the room. That is someone that you look to to say they have a lot of wisdom. You know what it is when you see it, but you might not necessarily be able to define it. Wisdom brings peace to many situations. In fact, Wisdom and peace are kin to each other, if not married to each other, if not a part of the same family, if not the same thing. Wisdom and peace are right in line with each other. Um, James chapter 3 verse 7 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. So wisdom has a peace side to it. I am a big John Maxwell fan. I love John Maxwell. Um, From very early on, when I graduated from school, I started reading his books. I went to his conferences. I just really like him a lot. I like John Maxwell. And he's very, he's very um, good at leadership. He's, he's very good at speaking. He's very good at principles. He does really well. And so in one of his conferences where he said, the person I read is Zig Ziglar, is the moment that I said, Who's Zig Ziglar? And what a cool name to have. Zig Ziglar? I don't even have to write that down to remember that. Zig Ziglar. So I immediately went out and and found one of Zig's books and started reading it because it was something that John Maxwell, who had leadership qualities and I, great in his field, recommended. That's who he looks to. So why why not go for things that people you like if they like something else, they're like, oh, yeah, that, I think I'm going to have that as a, a source, too. So Zig Ziglar became one of, my, one of my people. Now, I've never seen Zig live, never seen him live. I've heard him and I've read him, but that's about it. Um, I know what he looks like. Like, if you put a picture on the screen, I, I know what he looks like. But Zig, Zig is now one of my favorites, just like John Maxwell. So when you come to the Bible and we're <clears throat> thinking about wisdom and we're thinking about peace, Immediately, the name that should come to your mind, if you've been at this a while, is the person that had the most wisdom in the Bible besides Jesus, okay, would be King Solomon. He wrote, he wrote Proverbs, and he also wrote Ecclesiastes, and he also wrote the Song of Solomon, and he had wisdom. And the reason that he had wisdom, and he's number two, is because um, God said, now that you're king, I'll give you anything that you want. You just name it, and I'll give it to you. 
And Solomon, instead of saying riches and all this other stuff, said, I would like to have wisdom. And he was granted wisdom. And he was known in the entire world for his, his wisdom. He, he's the most wise person, the mostest wisest person that has ever walked the face of the earth besides Jesus. The mostest wise is, is who he is. So when you think about him, and if Solomon was to say, wow, that wisdom amazes me, that would be somebody that you would want to know, right? That, that would be someone that we'd want to kind of dig into and kind of figure out why in the world does this person that has this wisdom, why does it intrigue Solomon who's the epitome of wisdom? Why would this happen? Let's find out who that is so that we can learn from that source as well. And so that brings us to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 13. And this is what it says. <clears throat> I have also seen this example under the sun, of wisdom under the sun. And it seemed great to me. That means that he was impressed with it. He was intrigued with it. It was on his mind, this example of wisdom. So this is what he said. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. So that is what has intrigued King Solomon. So let's break down these two verses uh, kind of quickly. First, it's, it's a, a very, very small city, very small city. There's very few people in this city, it says. Little city with few men in it. And then a great king who came from a great city, who came from a city that had a lot of people in it, who brought an army with him that was much larger than the people that lived in the city. He came, this particular king, and besieged it. He, he went up against it and he besieged it. But he not only besieged it, this great king, that is huge, and this city is very small with few people. He built siege works to go against it. In other words, he was going to take this little city over. Now, let me give you some historical kind of perspective here. If you were coming in to conquer a country, you would not attack the small cities. You would go for the epicenters. You would go for where the king was, the, the cities that were highly fortified because it's those cities that you could conquer and then you wouldn't have to conquer the little cities because the little cities would just bow down to you whoever owned the bigger cities. The little cities would be just fine. I mean, they would follow right in line with you. They would give you no resistance, these little cities. But this great king that had a lot of power decided to go up against this little city, which honestly was just a waste of time to go up against. It was just a waste of time. They were small, very small. 
So a few men and a great king came and built great siege works. This means that this little city did have walls, and so this king brought this stuff so that his army could climb up the walls and go into it. This means that they brought whatever they used back then to break down the gates at the door. He brought it with him, right? And was going to break down the gates and was going to take over the city. Large army, siege works. He may have even brought stuff to tear down the walls. So this great king who's huge came against this very small, insignificant city with few men, few people, and, and he was going to actually destroy it. Why did the great king come? Well, we're gonna, I'm gonna tell you that later, okay? But why did he come? Tell that later. Building a great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man. A poor wise man. This means that the poor wise man wasn't a governor. He didn't own a business. He probably worked for somebody. He may have even been a slave of somebody. He could have been a slave. In our day and age, and I'm not trying to say anything about anybody. I'm just trying to give you a perspective. This would be the person that would live in a trailer that's run down, that they have many vehicles around it that just don't work. And they constant, they, they're just there and nobody knows them, okay? I'm not saying anything about quality or anything. I'm just saying that's the person. It would be the person in the back that nobody in the community knows. They just know where that place is. So this is a guy that lived in, in the city somewhere that didn't have a nice house. He may have just lived in a tent. And he probably had a donkey with three legs. Okay, that's funny. Right? And he maybe, maybe had a hoe that was half, you know, broken, and he just didn't have stuff. I mean, this wouldn't be the guy that you would go to. This is a guy that would, that would go out to the fields and glean off of the fields so that he could eat at night. He didn't even own a field in order to eat. This was a very poor person, a very poor person. It says, he was poor, but he was wise, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. This guy probably didn't have a sword, and if he did, it was probably a wooden one. Right? And he came out with the wooden sword, you know. By the way, that song, Power in the Blood, that we did, um, <clears throat> my dad used to lead worship, and um, he would always do the chorus, like one of the choruses. You have power, 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 power in the blood. Well, when I was little, in my mind, I really didn't know what was going on. So when we got there, I went, pow, 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 pow. Yeah, okay. This guy didn't even have a wooden sword, right? He didn't even have that. So he has no weaponry. He has no, he has no army. He has no people to go with him. He just looks at the city and sees that it's besieged and sees that people need help. And he has come up with an idea that would solve the problem. And so this guy that nobody knows but had wisdom, went out and talked to the great king and he worked out a deal or worked out something or used his wisdom. We don't know what he said, but the great king removed his army, removed the siege works, removed himself from that position and by this poor man's wisdom, he saved the city without even drawing a sword. That's amazing. And to Solomon, he's looking at this thinking, I have power, I have prestige, 
I have an army. I can take over any place that I want to. And here's this man that without any of that used wisdom in order to save a city. This means that wisdom is not only for those in power, it is not only to the intelligent, it's not only to those that are rich. Wisdom actually transcends all of that and anybody at any social level, any, any national level, whatever, can have wisdom that is more powerful than any army that can come up against a city. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? And so Solomon is blown away by this, that this guy was able to save the city without an army, without prestige, totally poor. He was able to save it. And then, not only that, but yet no one remembered that poor man. So this is how that went. Having Christmas dinner in the city, eating. Somebody across the table says, hey, do you remember that time when that great king, you know, the idiot, came, came, oh, okay, yeah, came, and he besieged our city, like he showed his might and power. Do you, do you remember that guy? Yeah, that guy, what was his name? Not sure what his name was. Never seen him before, really, but I remember that he went out there and saved the city. I don't know what he did. Do you know what he did? No, I don't know what he did. Do you know what he did? No, I don't know what he did, but whatever he did, he went out there and the king moved away. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that happening, but I just can't remember his name. And so what blew Solomon away also is the fact that this guy had a victory. He saved his city, but he had no fame. No fame. Nobody remembered his name. Nobody even remembered who he was. For all they knew, he could be dead by now. They didn't know who he was, but they remembered the story of one man went out and saved their city. And for Solomon, he's thinking, well, if you have a victory, you should at least have fame. People should at least know your name. People should at least know who you are. But no, wisdom is more powerful than all of that. Wisdom does not need fame. Wisdom does not seek out fame. Wisdom does what is right at the moment and does it for other people. Doesn't matter if you get recognized or not. A person with wisdom does what is right and he does what is right for other people. You see, fools do things for themselves. Fools wield their own power and their own might and their own whatever they have. And they want you to know that they're powerful. Here's a king. The reason he went up against the city is because he was a fool. He was wasting resources. He was wasting energy. Do you know how much time it would take for someone in that day to actually get an army, much less siege works, to a city to take it over? A very long period of time. They didn't have airplanes, you know? drop it down. They didn't have big cargo things to ride. They didn't know what petroleum was. They were all green people. Every single one of them were all green people. They, they didn't know what to do. So they would push these siege works to the place. They would bring their armies to this place. And it took a lot of effort. And this guy was a fool to go up against this small city. He was a fool to do it. So 
Here's this guy. Nobody knows his name. Because wisdom is that way. So Solomon's going to make a couple of of comments about wisdom, and I want to unpack them a little bit. First is found in verse 16. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. So I say that wisdom is better than might. It's better, it's more powerful than, than might is. Wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is not the opposite of strength because wisdom has a strength of its own, but wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom does what needs to be done. This was not the only guy that lived in the city. There were governors in the city. There were political people in the city. There were people that owned businesses in the city. There were people that had money in the city. And none of them were willing to step out and do something. None of them were. Were willing to step out and do something. I find in life that people are content with the predictability of captivity and are uncomfortable with the unpredictability of freedom. So here's a king, a great king that came in and took over their city and they were fine with surrendering themselves. They were fine with living in the new environment. They were fine with living in the new way that the culture had to live at that particular time. They were fine with all of that. They were just fine with all of that because the predictability of captivity brings a level of security, but it doesn't bring you happiness. It it brings you a level of, we're doing what everybody else is doing, and at least, you know, we're not being attacked. Then freedom, which is really worth fighting for, And so here's this guy, wisdom, that sees everybody in captivity, nobody doing anything, and he says, you know what? What our city doesn't need is captivity. What our city needs is freedom. And if I can do something to bring freedom to my little city, to my little part of the world, I'm gonna do it. And I don't care if anybody knows who my name is. I'm doing it for my city, for my neighbors, and for my people. And so he went out and fought the fight for freedom. See, there's some people that are stuck in a job they hate and they will not go to another job. They will not quit that job and look for something else because of the predictability of that job and the security of that job. And they are captives to that job. They are slaves to that job. They're not happy in it. They're not enjoying it. They're not you know, you can list it and they will not move because they would rather have the security of predictability than freedom and its unpredictability. You see, everyone in this room has something that they're passionate about. You may have hit it, you may have forgotten about it, but everybody in this room has something that they're passionate about. And that passion is what you really should be doing as a job. That's what you should be doing. That's what you should be going after. You should enjoy what you do. If you do not enjoy what you do, you're married to security and you're not married to purpose. See, wisdom is married to purpose. Wisdom is married to freedom. 
not captivity. So you fight in order to get to freedom. You fight for other people. You fight not to be captivated. And this guy says, hey, I'm, I'm just not going to live this way. I'm going to do what I can to free the people around me. See, wisdom never fights for itself, really. It fights for liberation. It fights for people's freedom. It fights to push people in a better direction. So Solomon's captivated by this guy that's poor that has the same sort of values that he does, and he's all-powerful and a mighty king. He's amazing that wisdom is found in somebody that is not even known. Wisdom is often despised. If you've ever given somebody a word of wisdom, sometimes it's not taken right. People despise wisdom. In fact, people will often go against wisdom and do their own thing, right? So you tell somebody something that sharing wisdom that maybe you've learned to them and they do the exact opposite and then they go down a road of destruction. In this passage of scripture, Solomon, he says, but I say that wisdom is better than might though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Sometimes we don't listen to wisdom. Verse 17 says, the words of the wise are heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. The words of the wise are heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Quiet words of wisdom. The loudest The loudest, the loudest voice in the room is not the voice of wisdom. It's the quiet voice in the room that is the voice of wisdom. It is not the voice that keeps repeating itself, repeating itself, and repeating itself, and repeating itself, and repeating itself, and repeating itself. That is the voice of wisdom. Wisdom generally just speaks one time. My dad would speak one time and tell me something, and he would never give me that nugget of wisdom again. If my dad spoke twice, there was punishment coming. Right? Wisdom speaks once. Wisdom is often quiet. And wisdom, if you hear it, will bug you at some level because you know that what was said was right. There's something solid about it. Something solid about it. So it's not the voices that keep repeating. If I lived in 2018, if this was 2018, if this was 2020, Well, it is. If it was 2021, if it was 1972, if it was 1985, if it was 1990, I would tell you the exact same thing. The stuff that you hear in the news over and over and over and over again isn't always wisdom. And the stuff that you read in the newspapers when we read newspapers is not always wisdom. The stuff that we see on social media is not always wisdom. It is not the loudest voices. It's not the voices that get repeated over and over again that brings wisdom into your life, that brings peace into your life. It's the quiet voices that speak once. It's the quiet voices that nobody else is listening to, but you happen to have the opportunity to hear those voices. 
It is those voices that speak wisdom. This verse has to do a lot with salvation, but it also has a lot to do with the way the world works. Broad is the way to destruction, but the path to righteousness is very small and untraveled because not many people go down it. A lot of people in the world live foolish lives because they're listening to the loudest voices and the ones that being repeated and the ones that are culturally relevant rather than listening to the wisdom, the word of God and the wisdom of the people around them. There's something different. There's something quiet about wisdom. Full shout. In this passage of scripture, fools rule other fools. Fools push for their power. That's what they do. Fools push to make you uncomfortable, to make me uncomfortable. A wise person doesn't push to make you uncomfortable. He pushes you, she pushes you, so that you will go to a better day. And if you listen to wise people in your life, you will go to a better day. You will. You see, you should never confuse the ability to make noise with the power of having a voice. Never confuse noise with the power of having a voice. We can make a lot of noise that is worth nothing. But having a voice is something. So you and I need to decide if we're going to be people that are known by other people or people that are worth knowing. We need to be people that are worth knowing. We need to tap into the wisdom that is inside of us, the wisdom that is before the ages, before we were even born, that has decided to live inside of us because we've accepted him as our savior. Tap into that wisdom and spread it throughout the world. You and I do not need to live to be known. We need to live to be worth knowing. Social media, even if it was in the 80s, I could give you examples of how fame and, and just being known is not is not the way to go. I, I um, went to school, at high school, and there, there was a guy that every time he walked into the room, he was the life of the room, absolute life of the room. All intention would come on him. And if it wasn't, he would do something even more ridiculous so that attention would come on him. You know those people that, that do that? They're just, maybe you're looking at one, I don't know. But you, you, you have that just so attention. And then there was a couple of people that were in high school, even though they were teenagers, that would walk into a room, but their purpose was not to be seen necessarily. However, when they spoke, you listened to them because they would calm a situation down with just merely their words, with whatever they said. In families, we have the same thing. We have people that, that are trying to get attention, and those people are not the ones that, that have the wisdom, but that person that walks in, the grandpa, the granddad, the uncle, the aunt, the cousin that walks into the room, and there's this different feel about them, and they sit there silently, will often interject something that calms down a situation because they are using wisdom, because they are want, wanting to be um, worth knowing, not just known. Wisdom 
Wisdom plays, does not play around. Wisdom is very solid. It's people that are worth knowing. So the words of the wise are heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. This king came up against a city that wasn't worth fighting. See, wisdom only fights battles that are worth fighting. Say that to your neighbor. Wisdom only fights battles that are worth fighting. Have any of you ever had an argument? Anybody in the room ever had? Yeah. I have to say you're more honest than the first service. Some of them just, you know, I'm not, I made fun of them while they were there, so they're just fine, but they were, they were really stiff, you know, they were really, you know. Some are like, yes, so drawing it out. Yes, of course we've all had arguments with people. What is the main goal of an argument? Win. I am going to win. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And if it's words that hurt, I'm going to do that. If it's, if it's speaking quicker, I'm going to do that. If it's filling the airways with, with words, I'm going to do it. If it's getting louder, that's what I'm going to do. If it's slamming a door, that's what I'm going to do. If it's, if it's whatever, whatever it is, that's what I'm going to do because the goal is, is to win. But have you ever noticed that when you win an argument, especially with your spouse, you also lose at the same time? See, you might have won the argument, but she's crying. And whether or not that is a strategic tactic of hers is beyond, <laughs> right, is beyond this scope of, the, of this conversation. She's crying. You have lost. You have won, but you have lost at the same time. If you win an argument, you've actually lost it. See, a fool wants to win an argument. A fool does. Wisdom wants to win the person. And those are two totally different things. If you approach your conversations that are, that are very conflictive with the idea that you need to win that person and you love that person and you want to further the relationship with that person, even during a conflictive situation, you have the right perspective on that particular conversation. It's not that someone isn't right or wrong. It's not that. It's how you approach it. Are you trying to win the person or are you trying to win the argument? If you're trying to win the argument, you're being very foolish because that never ends well. And a fool's life never ends well. The louder they get, it's destruction. They may wield their power. They may wield their intelligence. They may wield whatever it is that they have, and they might win, but they've really lost. And it's a destructive past. But a person that tries to win a person, it's a total different way of looking at conversations. Every conversation that we have with other people, I think, should be conversations where we're trying to win people. Not to buy a rainbow vacuum cleaner. So it's not a salesman type thing. How does salesman, I was telling my Somebody this week, I think it was Quinn. Anyway, no, it was Aurora. I was telling Aurora this week that when you get married, all these people want to sell you stuff. Do y'all remember that when you're first married? So these people come to your house and it's rainbow vacuum cleaners. It's, it's this, that, and the other. And one thing that we were trying, somebody came to try to sell us and we got a gift card because they came to our house and that's why we let them in, was um, 
a water purification system. And so they sat there, and for like 30, 40 minutes, they were telling us how this particular water system was the same water system that was used on the space shuttle. And so about 35 minutes in, Nicole went to the bathroom, and it was just me and this guy in the house, and I looked at him and I said, um, that is not the same water system that the space shuttle uses. They, the company might make both of them, but it's not the same one. Because the one on the space shuttle takes, yes, and makes it into water, okay? This is not the same one. It's totally, totally different, right? You sell, the, sell these things. I'm not trying to sell you something, but what I am trying to tell you is you try to win the person because you love that person, and you're trying to make a connection with that person, and you're trying to do what's best for that person and push them in the right direction. That's what wisdom does. This king was foolish. He was just absolutely foolish, but this guy was trying to save the city because he loved his city. And there's battles that just aren't worth fighting. Sometimes in our relationships, we are engaging in battles that just aren't worth fighting. It's the little things that we get so emotional about, that we get so up in arms about, that we think is the entire world, and we make them the entire world, when all the while it's just a little city with a few people, and it's worth our energy. It's not worth our energy. Wisdom chooses the battles that are beneficial for everybody and does those. It doesn't pick the little ones and just keep going after it. A lot of marriages need to quit, quit battling over stupid stuff. It's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? Yes, it's a hard lesson to learn because those dishes should have been cleaned. But that's not a battle worth fighting. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just not a battle worth fighting. And wisdom sees the battles that are worth fighting and the ones that aren't. It says wisdom is, wisdom is better than weapons of war. I like to think of wisdom as a river. Now, unless you're up at the equator, where a river can go backwards and forwards, unless you're there, everywhere else in the world, rivers want to run in what? Rivers run in one direction. And when they won in one direction, they get to one spot. Rivers go in one direction and you can't really stop them. Even if you dam them up, you haven't really stopped them. You might have a lake there, but somewhere down the line, that river's getting out of even that dammed up area. They have, it, the river has rerouted around it and, and is continuing to go in the direction and accomplishing the goal that it's going to accomplish. A river always goes forward. Wisdom always goes forward. And when there's an obstacle that happens, wisdom doesn't get um, enslaved by that obstacle. It sees that obstacle and immediately it thinks, okay, this is an obstacle. How can I reroute myself around it? Or how can I get rid of it? Or how can I overcome this? We need to overcome this obstacle because it's preventing us from getting to a better day. A fool says, oh, an obstacle. I can't. I don't know. You didn't tell me. 
you should have done this and you just didn't tell me all the information. That's what a fool does. A person with wisdom looks at the obstacle and thinks, okay, how can I do this? How can I work this out? How can I get beyond it? How can I reroute myself around it? Because wisdom is like a river. You can't stop it. It's gonna continue to go in the direction that it's supposed to go in and you're not gonna be able to stop it. That's what wisdom is. A fool gets stopped. A person with wisdom doesn't. So wisdom is better than weapons of war because even with weapons of war, wisdom will find a way around those weapons of war. Wisdom will do that. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So, let me tell you where I stole this entire outline from. Okay? I'll tell you where I stole the entire outline from. And you're probably sitting there thinking, was there an outline? It was. Okay, there's an outline. My outline was stolen from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And this is what it says. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. Wisdom is more valuable than an army, and prestige, and power, Solomon is saying. Wisdom is more precious than jewels. Nothing you, desires, nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left, riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths are peaceful. The, we, the, reason, the, reason, the reason that I keep talking this way, I have no idea. The reason that some of us continue to have conflict in our lives is because foolishness is at work, not wisdom. If you're in an intense situation and it just always is tense, there is a fool at work in that particular situation. It's probably more than one of them. I didn't accidentally call the king an idiot. He was an idiot. He was foolish and with his resources. He was foolish with his power. He was foolish in creating a conflict where he didn't have to create a conflict. Wisdom brings peace. So if you have environments where peace is a part of that environment, even in a conflictive situation, there's still peace, an underlining level of peace. That is when wisdom is there working out those difficult situations. But when it's conflictive and when it's all up in arms and when people are so emotional and like that, that is foolishness. Wisdom tries to win the person. Foolishness tries to destroy them. Wisdom, wisdom's ways are pleasant and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her and those who hold on to her are happy. Are happy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us and we thank you for this lesson on wisdom. 
Father, I'm, I'm thankful for the wisdom of